All right. I think we're up. Are we up now? Yes, we are. That's very good news. Well, well, well. There we go. I think we're up now. We're going. We're alive. It's 2020. It's a new world. We live in a new universe. A new universe, if you will. Good evening, everybody. It is January 8th, 2020. The year of our Lord, as they say. Well, that was quite a time off. Uh, I haven't been doing one of these. I haven't done one of these in a long time. Um, but feels good to be back. Had a bit of a break. Didn't feel like much of a break. But uh, anyway, back on the grind. And here we are. But uh, super, super glad to be back. Uh, tracked my first game of 2020 last night. Um, had some leftover stuff uh, in the little text document in here to indicate what I've been up to over the break. Um, but yeah, took a few weeks, did some family stuff, was out of the, out of the outside of the city of Toronto for quite a while, which was a welcome change. Uh, it's always good to go into the woods for a while and disappear. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be back. We're, we're off and ripping. We're just off and ripping already to the, to the new year. Uh, the takes are hot. The rankings are firing out left, right, and center. And uh, here we are. But yeah, I'm glad to see that, uh, oh wow, there's already quite a few people in here. So that's good to see. So so welcome to, to all of you. Um, yes, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be back. Uh, but now it's about to be crunch time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of kill time while some questions get asked. If you have anything, let me know. Or I guess write the comment. I don't know. I don't really... Let's give it a shot. We're all friends. Give it a go. Um, but no. Uh, uh, anyway. I don't know. I'm a little rusty. It's been a few weeks. It's been a few weeks. Um, but we're, you know... Oh, man. Anyway, yeah. Oh, what I remember what I was going to talk about before we get into the questions here while the questions fill in. Uh, yeah, right about now is when crunch time really starts for me. Uh, so essentially the plan for me now, I mean, there's going to be, uh, a Q and a thing. Like if you remember, I put a Q and a video up, uh, earlier, uh, this year around October. So we're going to be doing that again, uh, sort of like a mid season type of thing. I'll be posting all the links to asking questions on that and stuff. Um, uh, I'll be posting the links to where you can ask questions and all that about uh, about that video, but be it on Instagram, YouTube, um, here on wow, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, wherever uh, you'll have access to to fire some questions, and I'll put the best ones uh, in a video that'll quickly be uploaded. But then after that, it's basically gonna be scouting reports from there until the end of the year. So February, I would say it might actually, uh, we'll see. So in case you don't know, uh, I'm moving house. I'm currently, <laughs> so I'm in my parents' basement. So longtime viewers of this show, uh, the early, early days. So last hockey season, I was in my own apartment with my partner. We lived in, a, in an apartment in Toronto. Uh, it was great. Um, but we bought a house in, in in Burlington, so we had to do some work on it, and that's being done. 
Um, so we're going to be moving out there and it was supposed to be like this month sometime, but that's probably going to be next month now, which is kind of typical for any sort of rental work. If anyone's done that. Uh, so I would like to be shooting and putting up scouting report videos like the, the week that I move in or the week I get settled in that house. Uh, because I have some ideas for some studio look that I want to do some filming in. So there's going to be some cool little things that are new this year that will spice up the, the, the video work, uh, which I'm very excited about. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. Um, but once that's done, that would be when things really start to hit the road and, and go. So I would say from like at the very worst beginning of March to the draft, it's going to be that that's kind of, that's kind of what's going to be the schedule is sort of the reports are going to start hitting the channel. Uh, so yeah, we're up to like 70 games tracked across about 50 players. Um, there's a few more that I do want to get to before I really start driving a wedge into the video work. So yeah, but I, I feel it's, it's funny that there's a pretty, I think I have a pretty decent grasp on this year's draft already decent grasp i would say um and seeing how things uh have been progressing over the course of the year i would say sample sizes are getting big enough uh to to kind of understand what's going on a little bit uh but yeah it's going to be really exciting i think we're going to have a really big uh six months going into the um going into the draft uh i'm i'm almost certain i'll be able to do more reports than i did last year uh, but regardless, what's going to be good is that all the data that I've tracked, if you're not a patron, uh, will be made public uh, leading up to... Well, the, what I did last year was I put the data in a public uh, data sheet that was linked in the videos and all that. So uh, we'll make that... We'll keep doing that the same way. So as the videos come out, you'll get the access to the data from there. Uh, patrons should have access uh, to that data sheet that I'm using to track players. Or, or sorry, the um, there's a Tableau viz that I have where you can sort of make it into sortable bar graphs, and that will be what becomes public uh, probably in June, I would say, like probably beginning of June to mid-June. Um, all the players that I've had data on, I doubt that I'll be able to get to seven games for all of them. That's a lot of work outside of the 9 to 5, uh, but... I'll do what I can. Uh, I do have it separated into players that I certainly want to try to get done and players that if I can have the time to do so, then I'll do it. Um, but if I can get to all of the high priority players, then I will. So I'm excited. Um, it's it's going to be fun. So look forward to that. Um, I guess that's about time. It's about time to uh, get to the uh, the old the old questions in here. Um, so let's start out, let's, let's start this show going from top to bottom because that's how this works. Um, that's not showing me everything weird. Oh, probably because this, okay. <laughs> For <laughs> Emmanuel Sen, you're good. Thank you. I, I try every day. I try to be good. I try to be better than the day before. That's really all I have to say. Uh, how was your holiday? Oh, hello. Harrison. Oh, Harrison says hello. Uh, I say hello to Harrison. Uh, if you missed it, uh, Harrison has a podcast out. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what the link is to watch it, but 
if you or listen to it, but it was a World Junior sort of recap and and more of like a cerebral conversation about scouting in general. Um, and it was really interesting. I like Harrison a lot. He's a patron of the project. He was one of the first. Uh, and I, 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 we, we, we go way back. I guess is what I'm getting at. And uh, I had a lot of time. A lot. Of, I have all the time in the world for Harrison, and it and it ended up going really, really well. So um, forgive me for uh, not knowing the name off the top of my head. But uh, check back in my tweet history. I've been retweeting it over the last 24 hours. But yeah, certainly a lot of fun doing that episode with Harrison. So hello, Harrison. Uh, Carter Chupa, how was your holiday break? It was busy, but it was good. Uh, spent a lot of time with a lot of family that I haven't seen in a while, which is really, really good. Um, you know, there was a lot of people and I'm the kind of person who doesn't often deal with large groups of people, even if I know them really well, super well. Um, that's just kind of, I don't know, just me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not that kind of person, but it was a lot of fun. It was good to see them. You know, I have family, a lot of family in the U S so they came up and, were in Canada for a while and got to see them a lot. So that was really, really fun. And uh, everybody had a great time. So it was good. A lot of, I tried to watch as much, watch as much of the world juniors as possible. Uh, I will be doing a recap video. I'm probably going to shoot it tomorrow night. So if you missed last year's recap video, you can go back and watch it, but it'll be that kind of thing, but probably shorter. Uh, and the, and so I just also want to say, like, any World Junior talk from tonight, I only, I've I've tried to watch as much as I possibly can since the tournament. Um, so I think I have a pretty good grasp on, 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 on what went down and kind of how I feel about, especially the draft eligibles. Um, so that's kind of what I've been up to, as well as doing some tracking here and there. But mostly ever since I got back, it's been World Junior catch-up time. And uh, yeah, so... Forgive me if I'm a little bit uh, cagey, I guess I would say, or or withdrawn with my responses regarding the World Juniors, because I've seen what I feel is necessary, but I definitely wasn't uh, watching every game three times over and taking notes and all that stuff. And personally, with the World Juniors, I don't think it's really worth all that work. Frankly, I think it's just kind of a really fun hockey tournament to watch and just sort of sit back and just watch players play. Um and then the tracking work is kind of the rest of the year, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, in general, it was good. It, it was a good time. Nice to be away from work for a while. Now I'm back, and, and here we go. Um, hello, Jasper. You said hello, I say hello. What's going on? Dave Bank. All right, a question that is not about my holiday. Not that that's a bad thing, but hockey-related. Good lead-up, though, talking about the break. Good lead-up. Uh, where does Askarov sit in your draft standings after the Worlds? So, again, uh, draft... I looked at this over the break. Draft-eligible goaltenders um, usually do better than Askarov did uh, at the World Juniors from, from a historical perspective. I could pull it up, but I don't want to waste time. Yeah, he wasn't great, um, but I don't think that that really knocks him down a ton. Uh, he's going to be back at that tournament at least another one time, probably two. So he's got lots of time to, to improve. Uh, and you know, with the way the Russian coaching handles their players and, and kind of, they're very heavy handed, I find 
not that that's a bad thing. It's just, you know, I, they didn't really tolerate when he wasn't particularly playing super well a whole lot from what I saw. Um, and which is fine. Uh, and, and it kind of didn't help his draft stock, but I, I don't, I don't like moving players around based on the world junior performances, unless it's like an extreme positive then, then maybe, but, but even an extreme negative, I mean, it's a really hard tournament to, to get a foothold in like last year, Alexei Lafreniere was a 13th forward. So I, I don't, I don't really write home too much about it. Um, but he's, I, I think, I think I've left Askarov right where he was for me. Uh, oh, I, I bumped him up one pick. So he's in my, he's at nine, ninth overall for me. Um, mostly because, you know, the, the, my logic behind Askarov is in terms of betting on a goaltender to be a number one, which is invaluable in the National Hockey League, especially in 2020, I guess it's 2020 now in, in order for that, like that's an invaluable player to have on your team. So where do you draft something that could potentially be invaluable, but not a hundred percent a sure thing? You know, and and so I look at that and I go, okay, where in the draft am I comfortable taking that? Uh, and I kind of right now have settled on. I'd say there are eight players that I would take ahead of the chance of having a number one goaltender, and then I would start thinking about taking a goaltender depending on what team I am. So, I think I think that if he slips in the draft because of his World Junior, fine. I I don't see it happening. Uh, it's hard. It, draft eligible goaltending. It it's not easy. These teams are good. A lot of the teams this year were really really good. Um, but the important thing to keep in mind is that this is outside of his comfort zone. This is not his club team. This is not, you know. There's a number of things that that aren't familiar with him. Uh, even if he plays with a, with some of these guys. But I think that what he's done at his club level is really remarkable. He's the only. Uh, in the 2010s, he's the only uh, goaltender to play full-time minutes at his age in that league, uh, and he's doing really well on a really good team, but he's still not looking out of place whatsoever. Uh, he's played a, a KHL game. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he's doing well. So to see him slip a little, a little bit would be really surprising to me. Um, I, and I'm the kind of person who's extremely skeptical on goaltenders, but with Askarov, um, you know, it, it'll take time, but he's probably about as good a bet as you're going to find, uh, right now. But again, if, if someone were to take him fifth overall and I'm picking sixth overall, then you want, and if someone else wants to assume that risk and I pick a, say a Tim Stutzla, I will take that. I will take that player and just say, okay, like that's your bet to make. This one's mine. Uh, and you take a goaltender later in the draft. Uh, there's a few this year that I think are pretty good, so that you can get a bit later. So it's it's not the end of the world. Uh, okay, next one, Alexander Payi. Do you think that the gap between Lafreniere and Byfield has increased because of the World Juniors? Uh, I briefly went over this last night with Harrison on his podcast, but I think uh, the the answer in short is no. Uh, Byfield, I was kind of disappointed because I didn't get to see enough, really, of him. I I don't think he played enough to like play his way out of being second overall. I I just don't. I think he would have to. 
absolutely fall apart in the second half of this season uh, and regress tremendously negatively to to knock himself out of that position because considering his age, like keep in mind, I tell this to everyone all the time, there's about a 10 and a half month difference between Lafreniere and Byfield. Byfield is a month away-ish from being a 2021 eligible player. Uh, and I would argue that in a calendar year, let's say he's a month younger, or yeah, a month younger, in a calendar year, you know, a calendar year ago, Alexi Lafreniere was in the same position that Quentin Byfield was. 13th forward at the World Juniors, not really used a whole lot. Tim Hunter went after him even at that tournament, if you remember. Uh, and now a year later, he's the MVP of the tournament. Um, so, I mean, Byfield is playing so incredibly well at the OHL uh, level that it's hard for me to to really knock him down a peg. Uh, and what I did see at the World Juniors of him was fine. It was... It, he, you you can only do so much when you're in the situation he's in. I, I just, I can't really make the logic of knocking him down a ton. You know, he showed that he's a big, skilled, powerful offensive player. Uh, and by power, I don't mean physical power. I mean, like, he just motors around the ice. Like, a, you know, that Evgeny Malkin style of power skating, right? Like, the, the real hard, intense offensive flair to his game for someone that size is rare. Uh, and I think that, you know, to me, Alexi Lafreniere is, I keep saying, 60%, 65% number one. Byfield, I'd say 30 35% number two. Um, but it's not going to, I don't think it would be any other direction than that than that order. Uh, if someone, I, I think it's a legitimate conversation to have. And I think if you're a risk-taking type of person, Byfield could be the number one overall pick. Um, but, you know, you see what Lafreniere is doing now, and we all saw him at the World Juniors this year. He didn't even play every game, and he won MVP. Um, and and he's just unbelievable. Like he's just a great hockey player in the truest sense of a hockey player, from what I can see. And if it's me at first overall, that's probably the guy that I take. But if you're picking second overall, I don't even think about moving up to number one. If they go for Byfield and take that huge risk, then great. I get a player, I get Alexi Lafreniere. But if they take a Lafreniere, then I'm sitting there going, all right, I've got a potentially, potentially, I would argue there's a chance that Byfield ends up being the best player to come out of this draft. It's a, I, I would say Lafreniere is really, really gifted and further developed right now, but he's almost a year older. So, you know. You give and you take, I guess. This is comp. It's not. It's not a. It's not a black and white situation. I. I don't think. But it, to answer your question, because I'm known for going long, uh, I. I don't think the gap has widened. Uh, maybe a little bit, but I don't think it's widened a whole lot. And especially now that Matej Picard is now, uh, a part of the Sudbury Wolves. That's another player that Byfield can sort of play around with, and and maybe you'll see a bit more out of Byfield in terms of production and you know those assist totals. But from what I've seen of Byfield, there are some things that I can bring up and say, you know, he's young and this needs to come this ways and blah 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 blah. But there's gifted talent with him, and the potential I think is almost limitless. Um, not that Lafreniere's isn't limitless, but you, you kind of get where I'm coming from. And if you don't get where I'm coming from, then Please let me know. Uh, what team do you think will draft Askarov? Uh, man, I swear to God, I get that question every single stream. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just really funny. Uh, 
honestly, when you look at the teams that are 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 looking at a top pick, when you look at the teams that are looking at a top pick, almost all of them could use a goaltending prospect of that caliber. So Detroit, Ottawa, L.A., New Jersey, uh, the Ducks. Even they have Lucas Dostal, but sure. Uh, Ottawa has a second first round pick. Like if Ottawa comes out of this draft with Lafreniere and Askarov in the top ten then that's great. The Montreal Canadiens probably don't need to use a pick on Askarov. Chicago could, I would say, use it. Buffalo, they've got Lukanen. I don't know. I mean, you can never have too many really, really good goalies. Uh, And Askarov isn't going to just jump straight into the NHL. So anyway, Uh, but there's a lot of them. I mean, Nashville could use one if Nashville jumps up a bit in this year's draft. Um, but a lot of those teams at the bottom really could use a goalie, like a real surefire goaltending prospect. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But I mean, I don't know if I if I had to pick one, I have no idea where he's gonna go. It's gonna be really interesting to see who picks him up and how high they choose to do it. Because I remember Carey Price was drafted a bit higher than some people anticipated. So if Askarov is going to say uh, New Jersey. If Ray Shiro and Nikita Gusev go and meet Askarov in the interview process and just kind of level with him and say, look, here's what we're trying to do in New Jersey. We might not be there in a year, but in two years, if you wanted to come down or three years, you wanted to come down, here's where we're going to be at. Um, Then maybe that's the pitch you make. And, you know, then maybe you go from there. Um, But beyond that, I mean, all these teams could be a good, a good fit. Because a, a number one goalie is a good fit on, on any team. Uh, I see you've watched Alex Cotton since the last time. What did you think? I was also wondering what you thought of Romanov at the World Juniors. Uh, yeah, I've seen Alex Cotton a couple of times. Just because someone brought him up in the last stream before the break. So I tried to watch some footage of him. Uh, and I tracked the Pudio game last night, which was against Lethbridge. And Pudio was playing against Cotton. Even though they're defensemen, they were line matched kind of against each other relatively often. Um, I mean, keep this in mind. Alex Cotton is on the Lethbridge Hurricanes, which is a pretty good team. And they were playing the Swift Current Broncos, who are absolutely brutal. They are, ter- they just, they're, they're, everyone should go and watch a few Swift Current Broncos games just to see what a bad hockey team looks like. They just can't get anything going. Um, and so Alex Cotton, you know, the thing about Alex Cotton is he's playing with a lot of a really aggressive tendencies on the back end. And I'm kind of the kind of person who, when I'm drafting a defenseman, I'm not looking for someone who's an attacking defenseman. It helps. It's certainly something you could have on a team, but it's not what I look at and say, well, that's what I want in a defenseman. Um, and I can't say that Alex Cotton was abandoning his defensive responsibilities because against Swift Current, there was no threat of a counterattack, really. So he kind of did what he wanted. But he was generating a lot of controlled zone exits off his own stick, a lot of controlled zone entries. He was playing with a lot of power, pushing right up to the net with the puck, making plays, um, which I value. The things that I concern myself with with him was basically foot speed, really. Like, he's an overager, and he still doesn't look like he's kind of burning around the ice. It seems like when the pace is slow, that's when he's kind of playing that aggressive offensive game. Uh, He loves shooting the puck. He loves when the puck is on his own stick. So maybe that's a player that you take a flyer on and just see 
you know, he goes back to Lethbridge for a year and, and dominates offensively again, maybe, uh, and then comes back or goes to the AHL and you kind of develop him there for a while. And maybe you end up with a nice aggressive, uh, offensive defenseman, but I, I just don't know. I think there's a few other players that are undrafted that are eligible again, that, that might be worth a look more so than cotton. But I mean, if you're later in the draft and, and you want a guy who has documented results and has a profile that you can actually describe then maybe that's a player you you go for i would be willing to have that discussion i just don't i just don't see enough of a package there where i'm sitting there going i can't believe this guy wasn't drafted that's kind of where i land on him but i might need to see more um num num psycho killer again i probably shouldn't read that username out loud but it's written there in phonetics, so I'm just going to keep... I don't know. Anyway, thoughts on Tyson Forster? Uh, yeah, Tyson Forster. Excuse me while I hydrate. Um, I like Tyson Forster. I don't... I think his point totals can be a bit misleading. Uh, he is a very, very strong, uh, smart offensive player. In terms of finding open space, his shot is really, really good. He can also make a play offensively. Um, I just don't know what his ceiling is. I think he's going to be a longer term, maybe a supplementary offensive player. I I don't see a ton of uh, real, like, high-end ceiling potential. Like a guy who you can give a line to. Like, sometimes I like to think of players as, okay... Can this player quarterback a line, whether they're a defenseman or a center or a winger, you know, because that's kind of the players that you really want to have is just guys who you can give the puck to and trust that they're going to push play positively. And you can get away with players on a line who don't do that. I don't think you should have five of those guys on the ice at once. But with Tyson Forster, I think he fits a bit of a group of players who don't really do that a ton but what they do outside of that is really worthwhile. So I don't think Tyson Forster is a guy that I look at in the first round, but if I've already picked, say, twice, and I'm in the second round, say the end of the second round, I'm a rebuilding team, and I just want supplementary scoring with measurable results that are legitimately positive, then then that's a, that's a player that I might really take a hard look at, especially if I draft some of those quarterback-style players uh, you know, first round and early second round. So I, I don't know. This is kind of why I also rank in tiers because there could be a team that values him a lot higher and I would totally understand why, but I just kind of fall more on the conservative side with him because I don't know if there's that real super high end upside that goes along with the production that he's had. Um, you know, it's, it's been really interesting for me to watch other leagues and then go back to the Canadian hockey league because, part of me thinks that those that the OHL and the WHL and the and the QMJHL are a bit slower than some European leagues like it feels like the Finnish junior league is a really high intensity high speed uh back and forth style of of hockey and to go from there to the OHL I sort of sit there and I go okay you have players on the Finnish side who are pushing play just like they do in the NHL you don't see a ton of time in the NHL where they slow things down for a ton of, a long, long time. A lot of it is, you know, 
aggressive pushing play really really hard nowadays maybe that changes over time but i feel with tyson forster he puts himself in a good position to get controlled exits he puts himself in a good position to get you know in position to score goals um you know he gets his shots he gets his looks uh and he does it really well because and from that he produces a ton so that has value i just don't know if it's you know when i look at him on my on my data sheet um that he is really that that level of a player uh that that his data might indicate but he's certainly no slouch really really probably a very good second round pick that might squeak his way into the first um how happy are you with the success of your channel well the thing that's hard about this channel is uh it from about february until june last year it just went completely off you know just completely to the moon um the reason obviously is because the draft happened um but like a year ago right now there was maybe eight people in these live streams um so you know look it would be really nice if i was able to do this full time it would be really nice if at some point that was possible i could track all day i could put reports together way faster i could do one-off videos way more often the rookie reports if you liked them i could have done a lot more of them uh than i did but I understand that in real life, these things often take time and you just kind of have to work at it. So I'm happy in the sense of, you know, the gr I'm really happy with the growth that went from the, that came from the channel, I'd say from last February through a part of the summer when I was uploading the recap videos, which I want to do again this summer. Um, so I want to, you know, it, it, the growth around that period was really, really promising. And I'm hoping uh, that the same thing happens this year. I, I don't see why it wouldn't, um, but, you know, because I'm hoping that of the, like, I did 13 scouting reports last year, I'm hoping right now, right now I could probably have enough data to do 30 of them, I just don't know if I'm going to have the time to put together 30 videos, that's a lot of time, especially with all the effects work that goes into it, and all the editing, and the shooting, and all this stuff, uh, that's, that's a lot, but I'll do what I can, um, but overall I'm pretty happy. Uh, considering that every night I have about two hours to put into this, maybe three if I'm willing to be sleepy the next day, and my weekends are kind of this. So I, I'm pretty pleased. It's a bit slow, obviously, ever since the beginning of the season. No one's really thinking about the draft a whole lot, except for people like us and me. But I'm hoping that as we lead into June, we hit another sort of upswing, and then we can go from there. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm pleased, I guess. Uh, Harrison, again, why does Kyle Connor have brain worms? I'm not even answering that question. I'm not. I, Kyle Connor is just, I will never say a bad word about Kyle Connor. Certainly that he has brain worms. That's not in my vocabulary. I just won't say that. Uh, Sam Kohler, Happy New Year. Who was the nicest surprise for you at the World Junior? Well, a Happy New Year to you as well and yours. Um, the nicest surprise. It was really nice to see Lucas Raymond look pretty good in limited use usage. I think people were down on him for reasons that didn't make sense. So to see him go to the World Juniors and look pretty solid, uh, in my opinion, I think that was really nice. It was really nice to see Christian Tanus uh, really 
hit the hit the ground running. Yeah, he put up quite a few power play points, but his possession was really good um, at even strength. And I think I think he showed that he should probably at least get a late round flyer this this year. I think he's a good. Uh, I I just think he's a strong. You know, he's a five seven player, but he's a five foot seven player that I think could play in the NHL. He's he won't be a burner in the NHL. I don't think. I don't think his foot speed is quite there. Um, but his creativity and his playmaking ability and his vision on the ice and his tenacity is is really admirable. Uh, similar to a guy like Jerry Turkulainen, who's a guy who I watch and I go, I can't believe no one's given this guy a look really outside of Toronto and Florida. I think invited him to their rookie camps, but he gets great possession results. He scores a lot. Uh, he's a first line winger now this year. Um, he pushes possession really, really well as well. Uh, and he's just an aggressive, hardworking guy who's hard to knock off pucks, and he gets a ton of shots from in tight. He 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 fits the profile of a player that is worth giving a shot. Uh, and I feel like Christian Tanus is sort of on that level, but maybe not at that level. Um, but but he's he's that kind of profile. So that was that was an interesting surprise for me to 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 see. Um, other than that. I'm trying to think of drafted players who kind of surprised me because uh, most of the players in this tournament were drafted. I mean, Igor Zamula was bonkers. Uh, he was crazy good for the Russians this year. And and I knew he was good, but I didn't think he would be that good at that tournament. Um, just looked like an absolute wizard out there from time to time. And that that was impressive. So so he was a surprise in, in a good way. Um Miko Kokonen was a guy who I was kind of disappointed in. I, I really thought Kokonen uh, had a bit more in the tank there. He's not had a great season compared to where he was last year. Um, but it's still early in his career, so I'm willing to be patient. It's just kind of, it was, I just kind of watched him and I went, I don't, like he was invisible and then he was visible for bad reasons uh, a few times, especially when games actually really mattered. Uh, so that's kind of disappointing, but. I, again, this is the World Juniors we're talking about. I'm not going to be too critical. Uh, Carter again, what's up? Uh, what were your thoughts on Adam Boakfast in his draft year? Seems to be playing really well lately for the Hawks. Adam Boakfast was a guy that I had top 10 easy. Um, I loved what he did in, the, in, in his game when he was draft eligible. His aggressive, almost forward-like uh, tendencies were, were great. His skill is so much fun to watch. You know, and again, look, obviously when this is all said and done, I want to, I want to put my money where my mouth is. I want to be working for a team and building a team and, and trying to win games. I don't want to be a media person or whatever for the rest of my life. I'll do it if, if that's, I mean, I love it. I love doing this stuff. So no matter what, I'm going to be doing it, but my goal is to be somewhere else and working for someone doing this. Um, and, and the type of players that I love are guys like at the end of the day, hockey is for entertaining fans. You're winning games while entertaining fans. And I love entertaining players. And when Adam Boakfist was draft eligible, he's entertaining. He's an entertaining defenseman to watch. He's a lot of fun. Uh, and you can have defensemen that play aggressively and have it work systematically. You just have to have a very responsible and aware line up around that player or the players that will play aggressively especially on the back end so I think that he can get away with quite a bit I will also say that I haven't seen a ton of him with Chicago this year 
But when he was eligible, I was really, really excited to see what he was capable of in the NHL. Uh, and I think he's just getting started. If and again, if he's playing well for the Hawks lately, I'll trust. I'll trust that. Uh, but I haven't gone and, and seen a ton of him. Maybe that's what I'll do tonight after this is over. Maybe just go and watch some 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 guys like like him, uh, and just watch a couple of games with ice time and just kind of because I am really excited to see what he can do with his NHL career. He's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Emmanuel again. What's up again? I need answers. Why is there a mannequin behind you? Oh, this this lady. Oh, um, yeah, so, <laughs> should have probably moved that out of the way, but didn't realize that was there until now, which is also what happened in the last stream. Uh, the mannequin is behind me, um, because I forgot to move it, but also, uh, in my mother's retirement, she, uh, makes garments, she makes clothing, and, uh, just kind of does, does that as a, as a hobby, I guess. And that's the mannequin that, that I think she says fits her figure so it, you know, so she can fit clothes to it and see what alterations need to be done. Uh, and it, and it suits her. So that's what that is. Um, I'll probably get rid of it for next week because it's kind of creepy over there. But if you, if y'all want me to keep it, I'll keep it. But I think I should probably move it because it's also kind of creeping me out, especially the fact that there's a mirror behind it. And I don't know what's going on up here where its head should be, but I, I don't like that. So that's where that comes from. Uh, Michael Beeman. Hey, what's up? Uh, welcome back. Did Byfield hurt his stock enough for Stutzla to move up to second? No. Um, look, Stutzla was playing top six minutes with the German team. He was basically given the keys to the team uh when he was on the ice um Byfield wasn't uh Byfield didn't even play in the gold medal game um so I don't think Byfield hurt his stock I think Stutzla showcased his talent for scouts when maybe for some teams getting to the German league is isn't isn't easy uh I mean me being all smarmy about it i've been watching stutzla all year and and he's been extremely impressive and to me he's in my opinion a top five lock uh an absolute lock for for top five um so i i didn't really see much of a shift i saw stutzla do what he's been doing all year and when byfield was playing i feel like i saw what he's capable of in the ohl this year considering his age um so i don't i don't really see that the delta between those two players has closed a ton um but i i do think that stotzla showed that maybe some people really need to realize just how good he is because he's extremely talented and i think i th i think he might be you know at that top end group one of the more underrated players him and marco rossi i think might be one of the more underrated players you know, real, I mean, players, capital P, uh, of all of that group, you know, that, that I think people might not realize just how good they are. Um, like Stutzla going fourth, I would say would be surprising to me, but falling out of the top five at the very worst top seven, I would be really, really surprised personally. Um, uh, Okay, uh, Mr. Killer again. Uh, if a team that already has a franchise goalie is in a position to draft Askarov, should they pull the trigger? 
depends on the team. Uh, so let's pull this up again. Like if you're Montreal and you've got, say, Carey Price and I guess Caden Primo could be a franchise guy for you down the line, do you take Askarov? Well, Carey Price isn't going to go anywhere. You're not going to trade that contract. And Caden Primo, if he's legit, there's your tandem for a long time. I don't know how that works with Askarov. I mean, can you imagine a situation where Carey Price waves his no-move clause and, and accepts a trade out of Montreal? And can you imagine a team taking that contract? I don't know. I doubt it. At least not for a few years. And I don't think Askarov is going to be willing to sort of sit around and, and play in the AHL a whole lot, uh, a la someone like an Ilya Sorokin or something. He's probably going to want to come straight into the NHL. Um, but, I mean, looking at other top teams here, I mean, Anaheim has John Gibson. I could see Anaheim doing it and saying, well, John Gibson isn't going to be good forever, so he may as well manufacture a goaltending controversy in, say, 2025, where you have you know, similar to Washington when they had guys like Varlamov and Braden Holtby, and then you end up having to pick between two good goaltenders. You know, that's not a bad problem to have. Uh, so Anaheim could do it. I, I would not I would not be surprised because they can say, all right, look, if you want to spend three more years in Russia and dominate the KHL, that's fine. We've got John Gibson. Do what you want to do. And that might be an advantage for Anaheim. I... I I would think Anaheim wants to contend pretty soon, and I don't think their trajectory is we can wait three years for a potentially number one goaltender when they have the chance to, say, draft a top six forward or Jamie Drysdale, a, t- a potential top pair guy, maybe top at least top four. Uh, maybe the, the Ducks are in a position to make that judgment call faster, you know, get a more fast-tracked player than an Askarov. I don't know. I, maybe. But... At the end of the day, it could happen. I, the only team at this range that I don't really see it happening, probably Montreal, maybe even the Rangers, considering they have Shesturkin, uh, or Shesturkin and uh, and whatever's going to happen with Lundqvist and, um, and Georgiev. I mean, I imagine Lundqvist probably won't be around after next year. I don't know how that works unless they trade Georgiev. Uh, but I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of spitballing here. But those are the guys that really have number one goaltenders that could be in in that range. So Anaheim, I could see it. Montreal, I don't really see it as much. And the Rangers, I don't really see it. <clears throat> let me let me rehydrate again here with my big old water bottle. All right. okay oh i lost my spot um okay there we are all right uh bashton bashton if your name is actually bashton that's the probably best name i've ever heard uh where do you have paterka after the world juniors that's a good question uh so john jason paterka was a guy i have tracked a game of his uh i'm gonna try to put together a video on him uh, or at least track seven games of him. He's one of those high-priority guys. I had him most recently uh, pushing my first round, if not in it. Let me check. Yeah, so right now I have him at 30. Pardon me. Uh, I really, really like John Jason Paterka. I st- 
still don't see him on the same level as Reichel and Stutzla. I just don't. I just don't see it. I think that he's a lot of fun to watch, though. Like, he's a fun player to watch, but when you start digging into what's going on when he plays, there are some holes in his game. Um, You know, his defensive intensity isn't great. It's good, but not great. He's a great skater. His hands are great. His shot is really, really good as well. But that then that the end then what is kind of missing with him? Uh, you know, he gives up the puck quite a bit. Um, you know, his passing work hasn't been spectacular. But, you know, that that's kind of nitpicky. I think he should be at the very least gone by fortieth overall. I, I would be surprised to see him available after that. Um and I'm a big fan of his. And <clears throat> to see him at the World Juniors, he did not look out of place. But he also was playing with with Stutzla, so that's important to keep in mind as well. Um, and Stutzla certainly is a player who is a very, very high-level player in this year's draft. Um, but Paterka did look good. And, and, and I think that my opinion on him didn't really change because I've seen him play in Germany a little bit this year. And he's been impressive. Uh, certainly doesn't look out of place in that league whatsoever. And, you know, give him another couple of years of development. Uh, and, and I think he's going to be a, a good player. And I think that he'll get drafted higher. I would be open to ranking him higher than I have him. But there's a lot of players in this year's draft ahead of Paterka that I like, you know, that I just really enjoy watching more. And I think there's more upside and more of a reliable upside, I guess you could say. Um, and the World Juniors didn't really change that. But again, I didn't watch a ton of the German team. I watched a lot of it, but you know, watching all of those draft eligible players, um, you know, they were playing on different lines. So I kind of had to manage that, but they, they, anyway, I'm getting away from the point. I went in expecting Paterka to be a good player on that German team. And he looked very good. Uh, do I bump him up further in the rankings? I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know who will, who he knocks out based on who's just ahead of him in, in the rankings that I have. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, so if I'm not, yeah, so he's in a tier right now that I could see stretching from 37 to 20, 23. So I'd be willing to have a discussion about taking him in the mid-20s. That's when I would start to go, let's let's think about this guy, this German kid. Um, I would still push for Lukas Reichel quite a bit more, but if... I see the argument as to why you would go with Paterka ahead of Reichel. I just think there's more potential with Reichel to be a good NHL player, whereas there's less likelihood of being that level of player with Paterka, but he has the talent to do so. I hope I'm making myself somewhat clear, but it's a weird it's a weird sort of A-B between those two guys, and I look at Lucas Reichel play hockey, and I just really enjoy it from a hockey fan you know, just a person who studies the game style. Um, you know, he plays really, really intelligently, and and I respect that quite a bit. Um, but Paterka certainly ha- has a lot of positive attributes that are a lot of fun to watch. Um, Jasper Johansson, how do you feel about Kent Johnson? I know he's one of the older players in 2021. He has the most points in the BCHL in his D minus one. I've seen him play like a little bit this year and he certainly is dominating the BCHL. Alex Newhook uh, did the same thing in his D minus one. Dylan Holloway dominated the AJHL, his D minus one. You know, it's an interesting route that more and more players that are very, very good are taking uh, where they go stay in junior A, absolutely shred those leagues for a couple of years and then go to college. 
Um, and I really like what I've seen out of him. But again, I don't really have the time to really dig into D minus one guys. So I don't know where I would like rank him, like rank him. Um, but he certainly looks really, really good uh, and not out of place in that league. And that should be expected considering he's scoring, he's shooting the lights out. Um, what country do you think is the next big hockey country? Uh, so you mean Sweden, Canada, Russia, USA, and most recently Finland. Hmm. Well, the Germans, what I have heard about German hockey is that other companies are really starting to invest, uh, in, in the area. Um, and, and teams are hiring more outside help. So programs like Red Bull, uh, all the Red Bull programs are hiring a lot of international coaches. Their teams are full of players from all over the world uh, to try to get as much influence as they can to sort of be better, you know, and learn from countries that might be a step ahead or uh, or to bring up German players in an environment that might have higher quality, you know, hockey education. So I have a, a decent feeling about Germany uh, for a little bit, I would say. They're in an interesting generation of players now with guys like Bach uh, and uh, Sider and Stutzla and Reichel and Paterka and there's a few others, right? And, you know, th- th- there's guys that are, you know, Nino Kinder's another good German player. Um, you know, there there's a few. Max Glotzel is, is, is relatively highly regarded. Um, but... I don't know because the those countries you listed are are so powerful in this and they have such strong infrastructure uh, around this. But Germany certainly has a bit of momentum. Uh, they were in a tough group this year in the World Juniors, uh, and I could certainly see them. Like I like the German program and the German future a little bit more than the Swiss one right now. Um, like the Swiss team this year didn't really blow me away at all. Um, the Swiss team last year didn't really blow me away, but they managed to get to the bronze medal game. Um, and I just get the feeling that that program is kind of slowing down. Slovakia has a really good group of players coming up. Alexi Mikluka is coming over to Rune Naranda. Martin Kromiak just joined the Frontenacs. Uh, Samuel Kanazko is legit. Uh, Marco Staka looked really good at the World Juniors when I saw him play, um, all things considered. Uh, and he's looked really good in Slovakia as well. So I think they're another country that I think has some good players coming up. Um, if you really want to dig deep, if I'm not mistaken, there was an Australian, uh, under 18 team that won three under 18 tournaments in a row or two, two or three, or they won three in four years or something like that. Um, so maybe Australia is making a push a little bit. Maybe the Nathan Walker thing is, is kind of pushing them up slowly. Uh, but outside of that, I don't see a ton of massive shifts. Um, and sometimes you just get a good generation of players coming out from a country. Uh, but Germany, I would say all things considered is probably on the up and ups, but I don't know if they're going to be joining that high of an echelon there. Uh, Dylan. Oh yeah. I, I know you, is is Marat finally a lock for the top three? Obviously. Marat should be going first overall. Adam Johansson. Tim Stutzla, NHL comparable. Ugh, I, ugh. It always makes me uncomfortable when I deal with NHL comparables. Uh, because I don't know. But with Stutzla, you know, I, I come away... the. F- Let me also preface. 
I live in Toronto, so I see the Leafs a lot. Of all of the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, he really reminds me a lot of sort of like a William Nylander puck possession type, like a playmaker type player. Uh, really good along the outside of the ice, but he can also cut into dangerous areas really aggressively. Um, but I don't know. I don't really, I don't really like making NHL comparables because I don't have a really strong grasp on all of the NHL players and how they specifically play. Uh, another name that kind of jumps to mind is like that Kevin Fiala style, like a high octane kind of player, but I don't think he has the same kind of like motor that a guy like Fiala kind of has from time to time. Um, but I haven't seen a ton of Fiala since he moved to, to Minnesota, so I'm not totally sure, but rest assured he's very good. Tim Stutzla is a very, very good hockey player will probably almost certainly be a top six NHL player. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of, kind of where I feel like he's going to go. And I think with him, he could be very, very special on the, on, a, on any NHL team. Very, very valuable scoring winger. Uh, David, what's going on? Um, watched some Jake Neighbors, really like his game. I really like Jake Neighbors as well. So Jake Neighbors is a guy who, I think he's, he kind of has that, uh, you know, when I talk about Alexi Lafreniere, the thing I say the most is that he just kind of gets it. Like, he just gets the game. It just kind of comes easy. No matter what needs to be done, he gets the job done. And with Jake Neighbors, I kind of get the same feeling. Like, he's not going to blow your doors off with his speed. He's not going to rip one top shelf every single time. His hands are good, like really good, but not like dangle your pants off. There's not really that many holes in his game. Um, and I think that he might be a safe bet as like a third line offensive option that's good defensively down the line, which is fine. Um, I, I think that he's shown flashes of being something more than that. And I think over time, if you can nurture sort of those flashes, then maybe you end up with something a bit better. Uh, but he seems to get it. Like he just gets the game. He, he, he goes into puck battles and wins a lot of them and makes it look easy. He goes into, you know, one-on-one encounters with a defenseman in open ice and he'll just get the puck by them and keep going on his own somehow. Um, you know, he does all that little stuff really well. And, and I value that quite a bit and, and he's looked good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I'm a fan of his certainly. Um, so I'm curious to see where, where he ends up getting drafted. Like, is he a guy that slips into the first round? Maybe. I could see it. I could see the argument that a team would make uh, to take him with a late first round pick. Um, but I don't think he's quite there. But as like a mid-early second round, um, definitely think I, that he could be in that conversation. Uh, Ravi Agman. 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 Ravi, what's up? Pod Colson and Hoglander's World Junior performances. They were good. I, I, I thought both of them looked good. Uh, Hoglander showed his best and worst, I would say. Uh, that guy needs to play with a bit more care, I think, to, to really, you know, focus more on what makes him so great because he could be a great hockey player. I think he's a great player, just needs to keep his head on his shoulders and keep his elbows tight and, you know learn how to like that that some of the stuff called against him was a bit dicey sure but 
you need he needs to get his awareness up a little bit based on what's going on around him on the ice but the raw talent that he has is just really 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 enticing um and with pod colson look i i'm not the hugest fan of vasily pod colson i saw what he was doing in this tournament he was impressive I'll, i'll give him that he was an impressive player pushed play really well played hard um, but it's always the same thing with him for me. He always looks like he's putting in a hundred percent of what he's capable of all of the time, and he just doesn't. When the when push comes to shove, there isn't a ton there for him to to show. He can make a play, sure, um, but it he just there's the difference between making the game look easy and making it look like you're working your tail off to get the results you're getting, and he does the latter. And that's fine, but it makes me think that in terms of development and and nurturing positives, he's kind of already playing, you know, really, really hard. And that led me to believe that maybe he's this third-line energy winger that could play a decent offensive role, but not a massive offensive role for the Canucks. And again, that's, that's fine. That's an okay thing to have on your team. You need players like that. I think he's going to be a great locker room guy. He's going to be a great leader for his team. Uh, he's going to—he does have offensive skill. It's just either he's going to need to learn how to be a bit more dynamic, or he's going to need to be more of an energy player uh, that can chip in offensively more often than most energy players. Which again is is fine. There are players in the NHL who do that uh, really, really well. I'm trying to, you know, like an Evander Kane, someone who plays a hard game that's tough. And yeah, maybe the teammates might not be the biggest fan of him, uh, with Kane, but with Pod Colson, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be. And that was the first name that I pulled out of my, out of my head. Cause I watch Evander Kane and sometimes he makes it look like he's playing pretty freaking hard, but I don't live on the West coast. So I don't see a ton of sharks games, but I'm trying to think of other examples while I talk and it's not super easy. Um, but anyway, I, I think he's going to be just fine. Like think of Zach Hyman, but better offensively, you know, like Zach Hyman with skill and, and that's fine. Everybody in Toronto loves Zach Hyman. It It's just kind of how it works. Um, but I, that's kind of where I see him right now. And I saw that in the world juniors, but again, feels like I have to be very careful about what I say around Canucks fans with him. Uh, but um, thoughts on Nikita Alexandrov? Uh, big fan. Uh, pretty big fan. I he's older. He was almost a 2018 eligible, so that's important to keep in mind. Um, I feel like he hasn't really progressed a ton based on what he was last year. Uh, but you know, yeah, like you mentioned, a Lars Eller middle six. I could see him being that solid middle six player down the line. Um, the blues are not afraid of developing guys in the AHL for a while. So, you know, it'll probably be a little while before he hits the team, but you know, when you've got guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen as your guys up front on the NHL team that, that can mentor you and you have talent like Alexandrov has, I think that bodes pretty well. And, and I think, I think that they can do some good stuff with him, uh, to develop him into that kind of a role player in that, in that probably third line role maybe bottom six sort of offensive tinge center who just bangs in greasy rebounds but also has some really nice skill right in front of the net because that's kind of where he makes his money um 
were you surprised that Hooglander Dong dominated the tournament? Not really. Um, incredible offensive skill. Uh, I wouldn't say he dominated the tournament, but he certainly was very, very, very good. Um, and uh, when he was playing, and uh, yeah, I wasn't super surprised because I was a huge fan of his going into the draft. I think I had him nineteenth overall. Uh, so to see him go and and prove that he's capable of producing and pushing play well that's that's pretty impressive but the issues with him were never with his offensive ability that was never the issue so all those all the things were on were on display or were on display with with him at the world juniors all right um where do you rank the following players? Oh, it's a little further down. Ryan Francis, John Jason Paterka, Brendan Brisson, VT Mietinen, Jake Neighbors, and Martin Chromiak. Well, uh, as of today, as of today, uh, I believe Paterka is the highest of them all. There's Paterka. Actually, let's just filter this. So you said Francis, uh, Paterka, um, Brisson, uh, Mietnen, Mietnen with five points today, so good for him. Neighbors, uh, Chromiak. Enter. Well, there's the order. Uh, Paterka, Francis, Mietnen, Neighbors, Chromiak, Brisson. I'm pretty comfortable with that. I would say Chromiak and Brisson are interchangeable. Um, I mean, Mietnin, Neighbors, Chromiak, and Brisson are all in the same tier, so technically, to me, they're all interchangeable. But I would certainly push harder. I would... So, okay, so let's do this. Of all six, who do I push the hardest for? Probably Paterka. Uh, of the next... Like, of the next five, who do I push the hardest for? Probably Francis, but Mietnin is not far behind at all. VT Mietnin is legit. Like, he's older for his draft class, but he's legit. I think he's legit. Uh, beyond that, I'd push for neighbors ahead of Chromiak and Brisson, but then I, I might flip Brisson and Chromiak around. I just think with Brisson's age uh, and his results with Chicago, he's an impressive player to watch. I just don't think, especially at even strength, there's quite enough there to to warrant him being super super high um but he certainly has a lot of talent and i think long term he could be perfectly reasonable as a player i just think that there are like there's almost a year of difference between him and martin chromiak and when i watch martin chromiak play against men in slovakia that's not an that's not a, a a hard league but it's certainly no joke and he did not look out of place he was not playing a whole lot over there um he should have been on their world junior team and uh, I'm hoping that his year finishes pretty strong with Kingston because he does have a lot of talent. Um, but I, I that's still one that I'm kind of getting a read on. And the Chicago Steel are a team that I've watched quite a bit of over the break. Um, but but I will be tracking some of their games between now and, and the draft to get a better grip on, on Brisson and a few of his teammates. So that's how that answers your question, hopefully. Uh, are you concerned about Matt Boldy or the red flags premature? It's always premature when the player is under a year from being drafted. Uh, it's sometimes tough as a freshman, um, 
you know, being, and also keep in mind, he went from playing with, I believe, Alex Turcotte and Cole Caulfield to playing not with Alex Turcotte and Cole Caulfield. And sometimes that's hard. Uh, when you lose your line mates who are better players than you, in my opinion, but not, you know, but Matt Boldy has talent and, and I think that that's legit. Um, it was a good pick where they, where they took him. Probably not the player, pardon, probably not the player I would have taken at that slot, but not a bad pick. And I would say, you know, give him a little bit more time, uh, to sort it out because I think he's been a little bit snake bitten, um, a camp invite to the world juniors might've helped him a little bit with his confidence. But at the same time, I see the argument of, well, we can't take a chance away from a guy who's earned it. Like say Parker Ford and hand it to someone who hasn't shown a ton, but we're just doing it to make him feel better. I get that argument as well. Um, but Boldy, I, I wouldn't be too concerned. Two more years of, of being not great. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think of some NCAA players who struggled as a freshman, uh, you guys probably know better than me, um, so please post them. But I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's happened before. Uh, Pod Colson led his team in ice time, put up five points as an 18-year-old. Uh, that's impressive. It is. He he had a good tournament. That's really kind of it. They 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 brought an older team, and he played a pretty big role. I mean, he he was good. Uh, would you be surprised if a general manager selected Stutzla with third overall pick? Yes. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised. I, it wouldn't be the pick that I make at three, but I, eh, I could, I could see it. It would be risky, but I could see it. Um, I'm sure there are teams out there that would do it. Uh, but, but I don't know. I don't know if he's the third best player in this draft, but certainly again, I mentioned this before. I feel pretty confident that he's a top five guy. Pretty confident. Um, did you watch anything specific that kept Dorofeyev from being effective at the world juniors is there a more dramatic issue that has kept him largely scoreless for three months well one thing is that being scoreless in the KHL at 18 19 years old is not the end of the world um, the KHL is a weird universe that has a different set of of political rules um and and usage situations and when they deal with junior age players uh, um but look i understand that vegas golden knights fans were psyched about getting him in the third round especially when you look at his production but i mentioned this in my video when i profiled him and i mentioned this after he was drafted i can understand why he slipped his ability to move around the ice uh, his ability to move around the ice is really, really good at his own pace. But when pace starts to get pushed, there's going to be an adjustment period. Um, his hands are really, really good, but there aren't really, there isn't really that foot speed, uh, at least not often enough that could really showcase something more. Um, he's been a good KHL player this year though. And I think he's going to be a bit of a longer term project, but but, you know, look, the, the, I think the NHL, would, no matter which way you slice it, most teams are looking for speed. Um, and I think the Vegas Golden Knights are playing the long game with him. When I watched Orofiev at the World Juniors, I thought he looked pretty good. But, you know, and, and if he, but if he had been, say, a first-round pick last year, 
he might have been a little bit disappointing. I don't really know uh, what his production was. But, you know, yeah, he had four points in seven games, and he's not eligible next year. So, it wasn't, he, I don't know. It's the World Juniors, so I can't judge too much. It's, it's, it's just a tournament. Um, and I don't think fans should, should, should judge too much either. But I just think that in this tournament and in, in high-level hockey, especially when you're playing with North American teams and, and teams that play really, really hard like the Finnish team did, um, it can kind of expose your weaknesses when you don't have the ability to generate a ton of that speed at will and play with that dynamic ability. You know, his puck possession ability when the puck was on his stick, especially in the offensive zone, was really good, and that was on display. But he's got some things to round out moving up the ice, especially that I think will need to come with time. Emo cracker. There's one. Uh, from the world juniors, who do you think is getting the most overrated and underrated respectively? Uh, in general, just based on public reaction or small sample size. Well, people seem to think Quentin, there's something wrong with Quentin Byfield, which is why he didn't play. And I just don't get that feeling either at all. I, I just don't get that feeling. Um, People, I mean, I don't really like to think an overrated and underrated, and I'm not totally tied in with the narratives that are floating around about who was great and who wasn't. I just kind of sat and watched the games and drew my own conclusions. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I've seen people say, oh, Lafreniere, you know, now there's no question Lafreniere is the number one player available because of the World Juniors. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, and with players that are underrated after the World Juniors, I think people are still a bit sleepy on Samuel Kanazko. That's a player that I think people probably are sleeping a bit on. He's one of those aggressive offensive defensemen who can move pretty well. And clearly Slovakia gave him the keys to the car and were like, we need you really bad, so just go out and do what you want. And he got burned a lot from what I've seen he got burned doing what he's doing quite a bit but he's 17 he's young he's almost a 2021 eligible I think uh late July birthday or early August or something like that um so they're just to give that to a 17 year old is pretty impressive um and and yeah he's gonna take risks and make mistakes that's life and I'd rather him do that than them coach him to be just okay go d to d and don't do anything with our anemic offense, uh, Sam. So thanks for showing up. I, I don't think that's very worthwhile. Um, but I, I think that he's a guy who's kind of flying under the radar and and after the tournament was is still flying under the radar, um, but I think is a legit, could be a legit player. Maybe not a super, well, I don't know. We'll see. I, I But I do like, like Nasco a lot. Um, thoughts on Igor Shostyrkin and on Greg, Greg Button's top 50. I didn't even read it, honestly. I did not read Greg, Craig Button's top 50 players. I, I don't like doing, I don't like the idea of lists like that. I just don't, it, all it does is make people mad. That's one. And it's not valuable. Like, I just think it just, it creates artificial competition you know, between fan bases and, and, oh, like I view so-and-so a player as a higher level prospect than so-and-so a player, uh, you know, the difference between say a 10th and 20th ranked prospect, blah, 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 blah. And I would be fascinated to see year over year how these things change. 
prospect development is not often linear. It's not, especially with guys like European players and all that, it's not linear. And, and when you put lists like that out, I find that it insinuates that this kind of thing is linear and it gets fans thinking, Oh, well, you know, for example, Oh, uh, Matt Boldy had a bad start to his career in the NCAA. So, but anyway, I, I, I don't know. Um, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even open it, unfortunately, uh, for, unfortunately for you, but it seems like it rubbed people in a poor direction quite a bit, but thoughts on Igor Shesterkin. Well, last stream, someone asked me about what would happen there, and I thought that he was going to stay in the AHL for a while, and that still could happen. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do. And I, but the thing about the Rangers is with that situation, I don't think there's really a wrong option outside of keeping George Evan Lundqvist long-term and letting Shostorkin sit in the AHL for two more years. That probably sounds like a bad idea. Um, but, you know, they have flexibility now. I mean, they're going to... at Either they ride out Lundqvist for another season and tell... I don't know how it's going to work because those two other goaltenders probably should be there. But I would think that if they're comfortable with Shostorkin... They might trade Georgiev as a package to maybe land a higher level player that can play up front as long as they can fit it onto the cap. And maybe that pushes them more towards being competitive a little bit quicker. You know, maybe they add another forward that, you know, with offensive talent that they could work with uh, and a team that needs a backup could add Georgiev. I think the last stream I was on, I talked about him. Uh, you know, Toronto has a ton of scoring wingers and they seem to have all the room in the world or, or, you know, all the time in the world for guys on the Marlies to come up and try it out, try things out right now. So, you know, maybe the Rangers add uh, a scoring winger from, from Toronto, uh, for someone like a Georgiev. And, and maybe that's a deal that works out for both teams. Um, and then you go forward with Lindquist and Shesterkin until Lindquist retires. And then you figure out your backup goalie situation from there. I don't know how it's going to work, and I'll be really interested to see what the Rangers' goaltending situation is in 2022, I would say. Um, thoughts on Team USA and the World Junior performance? Uh, I'll save most of it for the video, but I wouldn't be too down on it. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be too upset. It, they ran into a Finnish team that just shut them down, and and that's really the long and short of it. They, they just got shut down and the Finns put on a clinic in how to shut down an offense that really loves to move the puck up the middle of the ice. Um, and they didn't, they didn't counter, um, their ice time was always a little strange to me. You know, Trevor Zegris was not used enough. I don't think Arthur Kaliev was not used enough. He produced extremely well and he played like 10 to 12 minutes every night. Uh, and his, you know, possession was pretty darn good as well. Uh, Alex Turcott, I think was separated from Cole Caulfield and those guys were playing like middle six, bottom six minutes. And I don't know. I, I think the only thing they need to think about to be short is their player selection. I think they overestimated, they had some offensive talent on the back end, but they had players that didn't even get invited to camp that had a lot of offensive ability that probably could have helped them generate more offense. Um, but you know what? Every year, someone of that big five gets heartbroken. That's just kind of how it goes. Last year, it was Canada. This year, it was the United States. It's happened many times before to all of those big five nations. So it's it's tough. 
Um, but buck up because there's uh, going to be a whole new crop of players next year. I think they had like nine players that are eligible for next year. And even if half of them make the make the NHL next year, let's say it's going to be next year, Zagris, Robertson, Knight, Kaliev, and whoever, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. And they are going to have a pretty good team. Even if their under-18 team this year isn't great, it won't be long before the U.S. team is, is back on the podium, I don't think. How high can you see Rossi going, first overall? Uh, my sleeper of the draft is Landon Cozier. I hit on Alex Cotton this time last year, and this time next year we'll be talking about Cozier. I have not uh, heard of him in my life. Um, but we'll uh, take a look. I'll just put him in here so I take a look at him later. Uh, no, 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 no. All right. Where are we here? Hey, Will, has there ever been a prospect that checks all your boxes, looks like a surefire first-round pick, and he never materializes to an NHL player? Well, um, let's take a look at the 2016 draft. Because uh, uh, that was the first year that I really was doing this seriously. Um, I'm a big believer still in Jake Bean. I think that just the logjam in Carolina is kind of preventing him from from getting there. Uh, I really thought Alex Nylander was going to be a thing, and I really feel like Buffalo rushed him and put him in over his head. Uh, and I don't know what they do to develop their players, but it just doesn't seem like anything goes right for them with their high draft picks outside of Jack Eichel. And, I mean, if you screw up Jack Eichel, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, but I was a really big fan of Alex Nylander when he was eligible. Um, uh, looking at other ones in this year's draft, German Rubtsov had injury problems, but I was a big fan of him as well. Uh, Brett Howden has worked out, but I was a big fan of him when he was draft eligible. And I thought as a late first round pick, he'd be a good bet for, for something, uh, something decent, um, for someone that size who could skate that well. And I, I like him a lot. Um, and I, I always have, but this year in the NHL, I just look at him and I go, okay, I haven't seen a ton of progression there, but he could, at least, if he's a fourth, third line center, fine. Uh, that, that's, that's fine. Uh, and he seems to be at least decent to my eye, but I haven't watched every Rangers game this year. <clears throat> but I guess all those players I just mentioned have materialized into NHL players. Um, <laughs> I was a big fan of Riley Tufty. I don't think there's enough there. I thought that the skating would come over the years because uh, his shot was unbelievable. His hands were great, and it just never has, and I don't know if there's going to be enough there to turn him into a player, um, but we'll see. I mean, he hasn't been good with Texas. He wasn't a great college player. Eh, I don't know. That That one's unfortunate as well. Uh, okay. Where are we? Uh, thoughts on Raymond. I'm a fan of Lucas Raymond. I'm a believer. He's my third guy. It takes a lot for me to knock him out of third position, but I could see it happening. Uh, there are other players that I could be swayed to draft ahead of Lucas Raymond, but it would take, it would take quite a bit of a conversation. Pardon me. Uh, I'm drinking water too fast. Who's the most surprising player for you from the World Juniors and which draft-eligible player other than Lafreniere impressed you the most? 
Um, impressed me the most. Well, who's okay? So who's the most surprising player for you at the World Juniors? Uh, I was surprised by Victor Soderstrom quite a bit. I thought he looked really, really good. Um, I also really liked Matthias Michelli. I thought that maybe playing in Finland, you know, you 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 he just suits that game more. And when things would get ratcheted up a notch in the World Juniors, he might slow down a bit. Yeah, he didn't produce a ton, but he looked great. Um, and I'm a I'm a fan of him. After that tournament, he looked really really good. But the reasons he fell in the draft weren't really about his hockey. Like there were other things that kind of scared teams off, from what I heard. Um, but that seems to be often what, you know, gets overblown and maybe that's what's happened again. Um, and which draft eligible player other than Lafreniere impressed you the most? Well, there weren't, I mean, there were some, I, I, I mean, I guess Tim Stutzla probably would be the one that impressed me the most. I mean, I was, I was really pleased to see Lucas Raymond look pretty good doing his thing. Um, so I, but, but I would probably say Stutzla. Uh, wildcard says, is McDavid the best in the league? Yeah, I'd say so. Every time he touches the ice, he makes the NHL look silly. So yeah, I think so. Um, I had some, some people were saying that his defense isn't great and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here going, I don't care. He look at him, just look at him play hawk. Like watch him. Like there's no one that can touch him when he has the puck. And if I'm coaching him, I go, all right, Connor, go out and do your thing. Maybe he gives the puck up in his own zone, but I go, all right, Connor, go back out there and he scores a goal. Like, here you go, buddy. You get all the leeway you want because of what you're capable of. You know, that that's kind of how I view it. And yeah, I think he's the best player in the league. Um, uh, Tyler Robertson. If the Jets finish this year in the 15-20 range and go back to Finland in the draft, is Hervinen a player you like there? Yes. Uh, Ronnie Hervinen is a player a lot of people are sleeping on, and that's naughty. Uh, Ronnie Hervinen is legit. I really, really like him. I'm a big fan, and I always will be. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, that, w- that would be a pretty decent pick. What do we need to do to get hashtag scouch to Seattle going? I'm going to an event in two weeks and they're hosting about scouting. Should I bring a sign? Sure, man. I'm down. I mean, if I could, I would go as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, sure. Bring a sign um, and uh, a big, big, big blown out picture of my face. And uh, people will love that. Um, JM. Secret. Nice, nice secret name you got there, JM. Yusaku Ando with a good start at the U20s. Dang right. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Ter- that's a fun tournament to watch. The, the Japanese team is a lot of fun to watch. The hockey isn't particularly a high level down there uh, at the U20 Division 2A, but it's fun. And and the the Japanese team has a lot of fun players down there. I mean, obviously, Aito Aguchi's down there, but uh, Yusaku Ando's there. Um, uh, Yusato is there. Uh, Ray Ka- uh, Kawamura, Ray, oh man, Murakawa, oh my god, I don't want to get their names wrong, but they have a fun team, and there's a guy that stood out when I, when I caught him, he's a draft eligible, um, just want to make sure I get this, just want to make sure I get this right, 
uh Ray Murakumi Ray Murakami that's the one he's looked pretty good he's a 2021 eligible um but Taruto Nakajima is a player that I've really liked uh at that tournament as well just a really good two-way center who's been sort of quarterbacking that offense uh for the Japanese but I mean obviously Yusaku Ando is the guy that that really is that standout and he's a legit player I've seen him play with Youngstown a bit He's a he's legit for next year. He's not just the one Japanese guy that is just good, but he's legit. He's gonna be good. Um. Okay. Nah, nah, nah. How good is Artemis Patoons? That does not sound like a name of a human being. Is that a person? Artemis Patoon. I don't know what that. Maybe that's a joke. I don't know, but you might have to rewrite that one. Uh, thoughts on Mika Zibanejad? I love Mika Zibanejad, man. I'm a huge fan of him. He's just gotten better and better over his career. Uh, I, I like him. Uh, I was surprised when the Senators traded him for Derek Broussard um, so early in his career, but but he's turned out to be a really, really nice player for the Rangers. I'm a, I'm a fan of him and just... He's one of those guys that just does things right and just does like the little stuff and just pushes play quietly and... He sneaks around and, and can turn the Jets on if he needs to. I, I just love how he plays the game. It's just a lot of fun to watch. Um, Joey Keane has been good in the AHL. What do you project him as down the line? Man, I really liked Joey Keane last year in, in the OHL when I caught him. Really, really good skater. Really good skater. Uh, and I'm not surprised that that's translated to the AHL really well. That's really important. Skating is so, so important. And if you have a player who can skate really, really well and push pace and, and apply pressure, you're, you've got a good player. And Joey Keane certainly has, has done that really well. And he's taken a step even in his game. He looks really good with, with Hartford from what I've seen. Um, so I'm a fan. I, 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 he, defensemen are usually projects. He might take a little bit of time, but I think he's got a future for himself. Um, I've seen you've tracked Zari. What are your thoughts? Are you excited for Stankoven? Yes, I am excited for Stank Logan, Logan Stankoven. Um, the stinky oven boy. Uh, but yeah, Connor Zari is a player. He's a pretty safe bet, I would say. I, I, I well, I don't know, because the thing that concerns me about him is that he's older, and the foot speed is an issue to me. You know, I, I don't see him being a play pusher like how I was talking about earlier with Tyson Forster. But he's an incredibly intelligent puck mover, uh, a great passer. He's got a good shot on him. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't want to sound as though he is like going to be a bust at some point because literally every metric I track, he's a standout. Um, but I also look at him playing and my eyeballs are telling me that, you know, one, he's slowed down quite a bit from early in the year Two, his year last year was probably just about as good as this year. So in terms of progression, when you look at the numbers that I have here, he hasn't come a huge way, uh, but he is pushing two-way play pretty well. But I also just kind of get a weird feeling when I watch him play that I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe fall short of expectations. So I have him a bit lower than some people have him. Um, but in terms of like, and again, it comes back to how I would build a team, right? And and Connor Zari is the type of player that could play on my team, but it's just not, the, the type of player that I would jump at the chance to draft. You know, I want guys who push play, who play more aggressively. 
But Connor Zari is very smart. He's a smart positional center. And if you miss on, say, an Anton Mundell and you want that type of a player and you're at 16-ish and Connor Zari's available, then you could sway me to make that pick. Uh, but I just feel like in that range, there are other players that, that might be worth uh, a look uh, over him. But he's in that range for sure. Uh, thoughts on Seymour Butts? Hardy har har. Uh, Lucas Main. Hello. Hello, Lucas. What's going on, man? I don't think we're playing each other in the Dauber Fantasy League, but if we were... I would sneer at you. Um, who are you higher on, Ponomaryov or Amirov? Amirov. That's pretty straightforward. Uh, but Ponomaryov is doing much better than he was. I'll say that. It looks like the adjustment period for him is over, uh, and the player that I watched is probably back, uh, thankfully, after the World Junior A. He was great at that tournament, so I bumped him up quite a bit. Um... What do you think of Igor Sokolov? Is he a player or just another? And I shouldn't say, not just that tournament is what bumped him up for me. It was, you know, watching more of him. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how much of a likelihood a first-round pick is for me with him. But, like, a second-round pick, pretty safe. Uh, what do you think of Igor Sokolov? Uh, I mean, he was good at the World Junior. I'll give him that. He's a twice-undrafted player. Um, I will say... He's got the talent to, I think, I don't know if I would draft him, but he certainly uh, he certainly has the, the ability to warrant a phone call if he goes undrafted. Maybe in the seventh, maybe in the late rounds I give him a swing. I think someone will draft him because of his hands and his strength on the puck. His skating isn't great. He doesn't move around the ice with a ton of efficiency. Uh, so keeping up with AHL and even NHL player, you know, line rushes might be a little tough, but I do like what I've seen out of him with Cape Breton. And he does seem to, you know, he has a really great release on him. Um, and just as an early, you know, just a, just a, an overall solid, really, really good offensive player at his age. Um, but he is a big boy, uh, and it's hard to knock off pucks. So, I mean, he can jump straight into the AHL as well, which is good. And he probably should, um, similar to Brett Leeson. So maybe you get that out of him as well, that kind of mid to late round pick, and you just jump straight into your, you know, AHL, NHL pipeline where you can bounce him up and down if he does have a good start in his AHL career. I don't know. Um, but he's been good. I, I've liked I've liked what he's done, um, to say the least, with, with Cape Breton. I'm just, there's stuff that I think concerns scouts, which I think is legit. Um... Oh, here are all the comments about the mannequin. Uh, keep it. Serial killer vibes. It's like three men and baby ghost. Is that a children's show? I don't know what that is. Uh, throw a jersey on it. There's an idea. That is a great... That is. There's two ideas back-to-back that are the same. Great idea. Uh, I will make a note of doing that next year. Or for, for, next, for next week. Uh, should put a hockey sweater on it and name it. That's true. Maybe I'll ask my mom if I can take it home. That's kind of like Psycho, actually. That's that's like the, you know, here's my hello, mother. I'm not doing that. Uh, how much does a World Juniors Championship performance influence a player's ranking? To me, not much, if anything. I, it's a weird tournament. Weird stuff happens. Coaches can 
really make a player not look great. They can make a bad, not a great. They can make a good player not look great, and they can make a bad player look a lot better, uh, based on how they're using them and 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 where they're at. So, eh, not a ton. It's just nice to, to me. It's nice to see players in that situation and what they're doing there. So Lucas Raymond, for example, a lot of guys down on him. I wasn't so down on him, but when you watch him at the World Juniors, you see what kind of makes him what he is. Uh, and it's nice to see that he's still that player. Um, so that's kind of the angle that I take. And it's just a really good tournament to just sit, sit and watch. Uh, obviously, I make notes on players that, you know, in my head about what I'm watching and, and pay attention to the draft eligibles. But it doesn't really influence things a ton for me. Except for like guys like Knazko, who are kind of relied upon really heavily as a defenseman, especially on that team. Marco Staka was another one. And both of those guys didn't look out of place. Knazko coughed up the puck quite a bit and, and was a bit, you know, caught being too aggressive. But he's 17 and they needed more offense on that team. So that's kind of what he was doing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that he was fine, all things considered. Uh, if Tanush was six feet, what round would he have been picked in last year? Mid rounds, I would say, uh, I always found him to be a bit more of a perimeter player, but that doesn't always need to be a bad thing, but I would say probably mid rounds if he was that height, you know, around where Puistola went, I would, I would think, but I don't know, hard to say because he's not six feet, but Certainly probably would have, very, very certainly would have been drafted last year if he was that height for sure. Not sure if you've already been asked, but where does Laviolette end up? Uh, in the NHL somewhere, because that's how this works. Uh, if this were a year from now, do you think Seattle would go after him? Sup, dude. Hey, Keith. What's going on? Keith. Keith's the man. He's the man. Uh, that's really all I have to say. Just go follow Keith on the internet. He's got takes, and a lot of them. Uh... I don't know where Laviolette ends up. I don't know if Seattle will do it. I think Seattle with Ron Francis wants to push possession and shots on net and, and offense. And I, and in Carolina under Ron Francis, when you look at that versus Nashville, uh, when they don't have the same defense group that Nashville has, I just don't think that's a fit. I don't know. And Seattle is very progressive already with who they're hiring. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them go a bit off the board with their hiring there. Um, and Laviolette doesn't really fit that bill, but I'm sure he'll find a job somewhere because that's how the NHL works. Um, will Askarov still go in the top 10, maybe top 15? He probably he will go in the top 15. I'm pretty sure. I'm almost certain of that. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Top 10. He has top 10 talent, I would say. Um, give him the rest of the year. I mean, he could go to the under 18s and dominate again like he did last year. And, you know, then he's right back in people's good books. I don't know. But he was not great at the World Juniors, but he's a 17-year-old goalie playing for the Russians. Like, he was under a tremendous amount of pressure. And when you kind of have to look at his club numbers a little bit more and, and rest assured that, that he's doing stuff that no other goaltender in Russia has ever done, not even Vasilevsky. So that that's important to keep in mind. Uh, which top guy could you see drop for a stupid reason? Marco Rossi, because he's small. Uh, do you see a team taking a mid to late round flyer on Benjamin Baumgartner this year? They should. He is legit. Benjamin Baumgartner has taken such a huge step this year, it kind of blows my mind. Um, so yes, he should be picked. Um, 
Thoughts on Chaikovic? He was enraged the entire tournament, and with his team's play, wherever he is, he's on an island by himself. Chaikovic, you could see it. You could see his talent out there. And yeah, he was probably frustrated. But I also don't think he did himself any favors. He was holding on to pucks for too long. He wasn't engaging himself defensively really as much as I would have liked. Um, you know, he... But he has talent, and I think that that's what you have to keep in mind. He didn't produce up to what his talent was displaying, and his plus-minus, I believe, was the worst on his team. Not that that's a great metric of uh, measure of ability, but I thought he looked good when in isolation, but there were things where I'm sitting there going like, man, it's almost as if you are trying to do too much, and maybe out of frustration with his teammates he's trying to do too much and and cover for their shortcomings but that's not to me personally i don't think that's how you win hockey games when when you have a very talented player frustrated with his own team and is unwilling to even use them as options or is unwilling to play with them the right way that harms your own team to me and and i'm not going to write home too much about it because yes his team was not the most talented team and you know it's just the world juniors and it's just one tournament um but i thought he was fine uh showed his talent i guess is what i'm saying um but there were some stuff that was not ideal uh melvin Malmsho, the time in sweden is 4 30 and i'm tired well go to bed this will be in a podcast tomorrow. This will be archived on YouTube, man. You can you can go to bed whenever you like. I hope you're in bed now. This seems like it was a while ago, but I mean, I'm thrilled that you're here at 4:30 in the morning. I'm really, really thrilled. So welcome, Melvin. Uh, really, really happy to have you. Uh, please, please, uh, you know, good luck waking up, and and please uh, stay caffeinated and 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 alert. <laughs> uh, okay. Better not move the mannequin. All right, fine. I won't move it. Uh, dress it with... <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll put this sweater on it. And, uh... I don't know. But it's cold down here, so I kind of need a sweater. Why was Amir Miftahov never even drafted with the seventh round pick? Because he's not six foot four. Uh... I'm sorry I'm being kind of curt with these answers, but I kind of... There's a lot to get through here, and I kind of am running out of vocal ability. Thoughts on the All-Star Game and Skills Competition? I love the skills competition and I love when they integrated the women into it last year and they actually did better than some of the men. That was, I think that was to me like a major, you know, like I was a fan of women's hockey, especially women's junior hockey for a while, but that kind of sealed it where I went, okay, I need to be paying more attention to, to this. And, and I've been trying to do so ever since. Um, but that was really cool. The all-star game. I've, I don't think I've watched an all-star game since I was like a kid. I just don't I they're they they clearly are hung over and don't care. So it's not really worth the attention, but the skills competition is a lot of fun. If the Rangers make the playoffs does Art, oh, Artemi Panarin does Artemi Panarin win the heart? Depends. If the Buffalo Sabres make the playoffs, Jack Eichel probably should win it. Um but also you've got Connor McDavid if the Edmonton Oilers make the playoffs. How do you not give it to Connor McDavid? I don't know. Um but we'll see. There's plenty of hockey left in the year. With this World Junior and AHL so far in mind, how does Detroit selecting Cider at six look to you now? Was he too underscouted last year? Or has his game grown? The thing about Moritz Cider was that it was never a question of is he going to be a good hockey player. 
I always liked him. I just had a question about, I was questioning his upside. If I'm picking sixth overall, I need to make sure that the player I get could be a franchise cornerstone player. That's my hope. Is Moritz Sider that? He could be a really high-end physical two-way defenseman in the NHL for sure. I could see that happening. I just didn't really see the offensive side of that two-way game come come as far as it really needed to. He's produced, especially on the power play, uh, in the AHL this year, uh, and he's still very young. And he did look really good at the World Juniors, and he was throwing around his body quite a lot. Um, but it's just, that's not the brand of player that if I'm at sixth overall, I look to draft. And I think that's just my personal preference. Like a Trevor Zegris, like if I look at Moritz Sider at the World Juniors this year, and I be it with someone like a Trevor Zegris, I'm taking Trevor Zegris every day. Because what Trevor Zegris does is really hard to find. And with Trevor Zegris, I thought he was a perfect fit in, in Detroit. Like you have Dylan Larkin and Trevor Zegris and Mike Rasmussen and Joe Valeno. Like that is just boom, 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 boom down the middle of your lineup. That No matter what order you put those guys in, that's pretty solid. So my line of thinking with Detroit was, okay, you better be really dang sure that Moritz Sider... He's here, but you know he's capable of being up here because Trevor Zagris is here, and he could be up here as well. So I don't know what Detroit saw that I wasn't seeing. I didn't see a tremendous amount of Cider last year. I've seen more of him this year, and I saw him at the under-18 last year, and he was very impressive. Um, but that was a Division One A tournament, and that's a little bit different. Um, but you know what? He's done well this year. I'm willing to play the waiting game on him. Um, but it's changed to be a bit more positive, but I still feel like sixth overall was a very, very aggressive pick for Detroit. And again, I mentioned this in the recap. If they could have traded down and someone else were to have taken him and say they picked eighth overall or ninth overall and they ended up with a Trevor Zegras, then that to me is fine. You could have gotten more assets as well by leveraging the fact that you want cider but someone else can take him from you but it seems like he was their guy so that's kind of whatever that that's kind of it um uh where does Jan Mashak go assuming playing in Hamilton with Jan Yannick uh well Jan Yannick I think is out for the rest of the year if I'm not mistaken Jan Mashak is a guy who will probably in my opinion go should be top 15. Some people put him sixth, second round. I don't understand what they're doing. Um, but in terms of raw talent, Jan Mishak has a ton of it. Um, and I'm really expecting big things with, with him and Hamilton, especially with Arthur Kaliev there as well. Um, those two should make a pretty dynamic duo. Uh, and he should be a first round pick. Uh, Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back and hydrated. <clears throat> Do you believe Bobby Ryan will return? And if so, what will he play like and how well will he perform? I don't know. Uh, I don't have any inside information about Bobby Ryan. Um, I I hope he's getting what he needs. Um, I I don't know. He might just be done. He might just not have it anymore at the same level 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It'll it, Speculating on it, I don't think really helps. I, I just don't know. I just hope he gets what he needs out of what he's doing um, and does come back and play. I, I just don't like seeing players' careers end because of personal stuff like this where you know it's it's sort of this mental side of of life where it just ends your career because i think a professional sports career is an unbelievable thing that we're able to offer people and i think from their perspective it's an unbelievable thing for them to experience in their lifetime you know you only live once and the fact that you can play as a professional athlete is unbelievably positive to me and to see it sort of fall apart a bit for some of these guys, whether it's they sign a contract that they can't perform up to and that starts to weigh on them or they have personal issues that are weighing on them and kind of bleeds in or, let God forbid, there's some sort of abuse going on that, that kind of changes things, then, you know, it just it, it sucks. And I would hate for Bobby Ryan to end his career on that note, but the main thing with him is his personal health and his personal life and, and all that. Um, and his hell, you know, just his physical, like just everything physical and mental about it. Um, and if he comes back and is a decently productive player for a few more years, then great. Um, it would just really kind of stink if this was it for him. I, but I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea what's going on there. Uh, all right. I'm also going to call it with questions, uh, for new stuff. I'll finish what's here, but right now I'm calling it just so. Um, will Cormier finally raise in the projected rankings as he should now that he's back from his injury? Hopefully, because he's very, very good, just like you said. Um, he's five foot eight, but he's very good. Um, and I'm a big, big fan of him. So to me, I think he's a top twenty, if I'm not mistaken. What's his name? His name is Cormier, Lucas Cormier. Uh, yeah, I think he's pretty darn good. Uh, should Connor Zari be a top twenty pick? I have him twentieth overall. Um, that's about where I'd be comfortable taking him. I think there's some players that might not be as high scoring on paper that I might have ranked a bit higher than him. But yeah, that's about right. I, I would say by the time 24 rolls around, he should probably be gone. Uh, well, he should be gone by then. Does Ovechkin beat Gretzky's all-time goal record? Maybe. Uh, how old is Alex Ovechkin? Alex Ovechkin is 34. Uh, he has how many goals? 684. And Wayne Gretzky has... Like 800 something? Yeah, 894. So you're looking at a guy who needs 210 more goals to break that record. So assuming... And he's on pace for about 45 this year. So let's assume that he scores 35 a year. So what's 35? Uh, so he needs to score how many goals? 210 divided by 35. That's six more years. He needs to score 35 goals a year until he's 40 on average to, to hit Wayne Gretzky's record. And considering how much he throws his body around all the time, I don't know. I find that hard to believe. Um, so I'm doubtful, but he certainly, I think it's kind of a moot point anyway, because if you look at how hockey was played when Wayne Gretzky was playing and hockey, when Alex Ovechkin was playing, is playing it, 
you're not going to see Wayne Gretzky in 2020 if he's the same player as he was in the 80s scoring 685 goals. It I just don't I just don't think he was he was a great hockey player for his time, game changer, but Alex Ovechkin to me is just almost certainly the best goal scorer of all time just because the game is so incredibly fast and hard to score these these days goalies are so well trained and so good and they study these guys so hard for him to also have reinvented his game you know after after that i think it's 13 14 was this sort of major down year where people were questioning him a little bit you know to see him reinvent things in such a way was insane like to see him now still scoring 50 goals uh one two three four times in the last one two three he might even hit 50 goals this year so that would be his fifth 50 goal season since 2013-14 that's insane so i would just rather appreciate alex ovechkin as probably the best goal scorer of all time and let wayne gretzky keep his record i think both of those things can happen at the same time personally uh thoughts on jake for tannin uh, eh. uh do you play hockey am i good i i i want to play competitively but it's really expensive in toronto and i'm not and i don't really i play pickup sometimes i do a lot of shinny in the park uh so if you're in toronto and you go to high park shinny i might be there just just an fyi um and no i'm not great I never played a super high level growing up, but I played until I was about 16 and then I dropped it until two years ago and I picked it up and it, you know, took a while for me to get my feet back. Um, and it was weird. I played ball hockey for a long time, which I love. Uh, but, uh, when you go from playing with a ball all the time to a puck, boy, your hands just disappear. It was, I'm still not great. And and I always thought that my hands were kind of decent with, with the puck. Not so much anymore, but I'm trying to work on that, I, I guess you could say. But I'm a pretty decent skater, I like to think. Um, decent, I, I would say. Um, but yeah, not great. I'm not going to be blowing the doors off the guys at, at Shinny, I'll say. Last time I was there, uh, a rep team showed up after a practice. They all got high on the bench and just absolutely torched me um which doesn't really feel very good when you're at a community shinny event but such is life and i don't want to be the old guy yelling at kids um <clears throat> jake neighbors had three apples tonight good for him what have you thought about how zadina has been playing for the red wings turns out he might not actually be a bust who would have thought that uh those are my thoughts um thoughts on nikita filatov uh <laughs> That's another situation where I'm kind of it kind of just makes me sad cuz he had so much potential uh and such a bright future and it just feels like he just pissed it away um didn't really seem to understand how much work is necessary to to be successful really tried to get away on his own talent alone and it just didn't work and he had issues adjusting to North America he had issues with eating habits and stuff and it's just unfortunate because he was legitimately talented and that's a player that I will defend as a legitimately good player uh who just wasn't developed properly wasn't really handled super well um and when you look retrospectively probably you know 
should be remembered a little more fondly than he he was because he did have moment he did have years where he was a very talented hockey player uh it just in here sometimes it all comes down to what's in here and it just didn't work uh emil andre equals eric branstrom 2.0 kind of but yeah i'm not i'm not that big a fan of emil andre i i like andre but i'm not sure i'd put him on the same pedestal as branstrom i just think branstrom skating is just like two steps ahead of emil andre when it especially when it comes to a straight line um but his hands are really nice and his his ability to walk along a blue line is really really good so that's fun any love for jack finley yes i i like jack finley i'm not sure where he's gonna get drafted but but for a big center who's good defensively and smart he's pretty darn good and he's very very young so i'll i'll take that and he's been he's been good from what i've seen is Dylan Holloway still a top 15 pick? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, does Billy Constantino get drafted this year? Hopefully. The reasons he wasn't drafted last year were not hockey-related, from what I heard. Uh, I've said that a few times, and I don't think that's much of a secret. He just wasn't rubbing people the right way, and I think people were spooked. But he's been good with Sault Ste. Marie, and I would expect him to probably get a look later in the draft. I, I would be surprised if he didn't. Um, and also I'm being kind of quick with these questions because I'm very, like my throat hurts. So I'm going to bang through these, but on the Dylan Holloway one, he's playing on a really loaded offensive team. Um, but he's getting good two way results. Uh, and he went from the AJHL to the NCAA. So that's a big jump to me from what I've seen. So give, I, I would give him some time to, to figure it out, but he's been good. He got, you know, he, um, he got an invite to the world junior camp for a reason uh love watching my late night early morning mhl games on youtube very true i go to school with lucas cormier's cousin okay cool um have you dropped lapierre and baron since the beginning of the season uh baron for sure lapierre i've dropped him a bit but lapierre three concussions in a year is rough and i i mean calendar year that's really rough, especially for a 17-year-old while your brain is still developing. Um, that really stinks. And uh, I feel really bad for him. Um, you know, if that player slips out of the first round, that's an easy call. Easy, easy call to to just go, let's try it. If he sorts it out, you know, we'll have a doctor's exam. And if the doctor says that he's fine long-term, eventually he'll be fine, then let's do this. Um, but there, there's legitimate concern with that injury history, I would say. Um, but his on ice talent is undeniable. I've always been a big fan of him. And if he ever ends up with a shot on him, then he's a real, then he's really dangerous. Uh, okay. Let's close this out here. How long are you going to be in Columbus for the analytics conference? Uh, yeah. So I'm going down the Friday. Um, I'm going to leave early in the morning on the Friday try to get there as fast as I can. Uh, I'm trying to sort out lodging for the Friday night. I only booked my hotel for Saturday cause I'm dumb. Uh, but <laughs> I'm trying to sort out Friday night. I think I might be crashing with someone, but I'm going to triple check on that. Uh, but yeah, I'll be there Friday night. I'll be there Saturday night. Um, but then I got to leave on Sunday, uh, and, and drive home so that I can, you know, go to work. Um, I mean, I like my job, but I just, I would like to stay in Columbus for a while. It would be nice.
But if anyone's going to be there, I'll be there too. So fun. Uh, thoughts on Gabe Fortier. I don't have any right now and I kind of want to wrap this up. So ask me that in another, in another one and I'll, I'll take a look. Uh, Jacob Perot, big fan. I think he's pretty underrated. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan of him. Memorial cup winner prediction and good night. Uh, because you're in Ottawa, I'll say the Ottawa 67s. I love watching the Ottawa 67s play hockey. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't, hmm. Maybe Shakutami as well. Shakutami's really loaded up and I like the players on their team. Um, maybe them, but yeah. I, I like Ottawa a lot. Uh, the mannequin doesn't consume me in my sleep. No, no, no. The mannequin's not going anywhere. It's, uh, the mannequin doesn't have feet. The mannequin has no arms and it's bolted, uh, to a frame so the mannequin is not going anywhere so don't worry about me um it's just it just thrashes around when the lights are off and the, and and it's the middle of the night you know so don't worry about it it's not going anywhere um but i appreciate the concern and uh, a good night to you all uh if you uh enjoy what we're trying to do here uh all the links to support us in any way are below me uh or at least they should be um we do this every week wednesday nights 9 30 uh so that's you know we're back on the right schedule back on the train again um in terms of video content there will be a q a video that i'll post the link for questions about over the course of this weekend uh and i'll film that next week um there's a world junior recap that i'm probably going to film tomorrow uh that i'll be put out hopefully after the weekend for patrons and then next week for for everyone else um and so uh yeah so um that's kind of where we're at uh with that and then from there tracking 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 and then the reports will start once i move um so hopefully that's not too much longer uh and we'll have a nice fancy looking little studio space where we can uh you know spice things up a little bit because the black background was nice uh, but we I, i think we can do a little bit better than that i think I don't know why I'm winking. Anyway, thank you very much for joining me. As always, uh, you're you're all great, and uh, I hope you all have a lovely week and remainder of your evenings and weeks and into next week. And uh, I'll see you all next Wednesday. Great turnout tonight, so thank you all very much again. And uh, go Canada, go. <laughs>